Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I love Easter. Uh, I um, am one of those guys that grew up in church. And I grew up in the type of church that had um, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. So I was in church all the time, all the time. I know there's an old joke that said, you know, you know, I had a drug problem because I was drugged to church on Sunday morning and drugged to church on Sunday night and on Wednesday night. I lived my life growing up in church. Whether if we weren't there for a service, my family was there cleaning the church on like Saturday night. Uh, I went to school at the private Christian school in the church basement. So I was like always there. And uh, now it's kind of haunting every time I go back to that same building. It's in Westfield, Massachusetts. I'm like, I was here too much. But I, I've grown up in church. But I can tell you this, church. Even though I spent literally the first 17, 18 years of my life as a child, teenager, young adult in church all the time, Sunday school, youth group, youth group trips and things like that. I feel like in the last five years, I'm finally really beginning to understand the grace of Jesus Christ. Really. And it's come through planning this church that we moved here three years ago and planted this church. And uh, through right before COVID, great timing for me, I guess, uh, a few months before all the lockdown stuff. But guess what? God's brought us through it because we're here now and you're here today. And uh, I grew up in church. And I feel like every year I'm alive, Easter has a little bit more of a special meaning in my heart. Because I've seen what Jesus has done for me. I've seen how Jesus has delivered me from my own pride. How he's continually delivering me from insecurities and, 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 and anxiety and things like that. Delivered me from addictions and all these things. I've seen Jesus do that in my life. Some people think that the pastor of the church is like, the all, like, oh, no one can touch him. No, that's, listen, I'm, I'm right there with you. The only thing different between us right now is the fact that I'm like a foot and a half higher. But it has not, listen, I, I am just like, we're all the same. The, the, I've heard someone say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And by the way, doesn't this cross look great? Uh, our very own Dan Robles built that cross for us. Can you give him a hand for that? Yes. Looks amazing. I love it. I was like blown away when we set it up yesterday. I'm like, wow, that's so awesome. And now we can uh, have it every year too. So he also made the wooden, the, the, the um, crown of thorns as well. How many times do you poke yourself? <laughs> not, not a lot? Yeah. Oh my goodness. But it just looks amazing. And I'm so thrilled for our team. And at the end of service, we, I want to give a, you know, just recognize our team that helped so much getting the church cleaned up and everything else. But um, I've seen God do great things in my life personally. I've seen him do a great work in the lives of many of our members of our, of our church and seeing God give grace and show his goodness, seeing him save souls. We've, I've baptized several of you. And I'll tell you, this place, Coastline Baptist Church, I believe is a place where, where we get to meet with the Lord, where his worship, where there's no agenda, there's no hidden agenda. Like, no, this is all about Jesus and what he's done for me. I'll talk all about it and what he can do for you. So we're in John 20 this morning. John 20. 
Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. I'm going to be reading some of these scriptures. I'm not going to have the scriptures on the screen, but we do have some John and Romans uh, on the back table, and I can have Alex if someone wants one. Alex, you just real quick, just in case someone wants one. Um, all it is is two books of the Bible, John and Romans, and it would be great if you could follow along. I'm going to be reading through the scriptures. So how many say, well, I don't have a John and Romans or a Bible today. Could I get one, please? Just raise your hand real quick. All right, Alex is going to walk around and pass them out, and it's just the first book you're going to open up is the Gospel of John. We have been going through the gospel. Just keep your hand up for just a minute if you need one. If you need one, no problem. Everybody raise them up nice and high. Every John Romans has a $100 bill in the front cover. Okay? I'm kidding. I promise there's not a $100. I mean, if there is, you need to put it right in that offering box back there. I don't know how it got there. Anybody else need one? Right over here. And I think that's it. We're in John 20. We have been going through the gospel of John verse by verse since over a year ago, we started, I think, in December of 2021, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, and now we're all the way in John 20. We're going to go through this, the, the passage today, and then next um, Sunday, we'll, we'll do John 21, starting a brand new series that I'm going to mention at the end of service. And uh, it's been awesome going through the Gospel of John. I've learned so much. I feel like uh, uh, my knowledge of the Scripture, but beyond, because preaching and church, it's not about just acquiring more knowledge so I can know more about the, you know, I don't want to know more about God and know more about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with Him. See, knowing a lot about the Bible and all the history and the context and all the big fancy words, that's all important, by the way, to know why you believe what you believe. But sometimes we can get so focused on just the knowledge of it and the information and knowing the facts that the scriptures say that knowledge puffeth up, it can give pride. We know so much about the Bible, we know so much about God and how things work, but we don't really know him. That can be religion where it's all about what I do and what I know instead of who I am in Jesus Christ, which is relationship. And that's what we're about here. That's what we're about. We preach the Bible we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, number one, and we want to help our community. But we've been going through the gospel of John. And last week, Palm Sunday, we went through John, actually went through John 18 and 19 and just read through the scriptures, which is the account of Jesus being arrested and betrayed by his own disciple Judas. And then after that, uh, he was led away, he was whipped, he was beat, he was slapped in the face, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was put on a cross between two thieves, and he died, he was laid in a tomb. And last week on Palm Sunday, and we had an awesome service. We had many out of town and people sick, but we had an awesome, small, intimate service. And we just literally, I sat up here with my guitar. We read the scriptures, talked about it, and we sang hymns of the faith, like nothing but the blood of Jesus and glory to his name and all those old hymns that may, many of you may have grown up with. And we had a great service. But we ended last week at the end of John 19. Jesus is laid in a tomb. The stone is rolled across it. And his followers and his disciples are in mourning. The Pharisees, the religious elite that really put him on the cross are celebrating because they, they finally have defeated uh, this man who calls himself the Son of God, who says he is the great I Am. They finally got him. They got him on blasphemy. They nailed him to a cross. He's dead in the grave. His disciples are weeping and mourning, wondering what, what happened to the kingdom he was talking about. And the religious leader rejoicing. And at the end of John 19, I'll read the scripture. It says, there they laid Jesus, there laid they, oh, sorry, verse 41 of John 19. And if you have your Bible, your little John and Romans, you can see it there. John 19, 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher or a tomb, 
wherein was never man yet laid. No one had ever used this tomb. There lay they, Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. It was nearby the cross. They laid him in the tomb, rolled the stone over. Verse 1 of John 20 we'll read in just a moment. Easter is about life. It's about many things. I think last year we talked about Easter being about hope. This year, Easter is about life. We sang about a living hope. Have you ever heard the phrase, breathe life? Like, this breathes life into me. This breathes life into me. That actually really kind of goes back to the, the Bible. A lot of the quotes that we use, people say all the time, have scriptural uh, history to them. Because God breathed life into Adam. But you've heard the phrase, breathe life. What, what breathes life into you? Maybe it's a, a relationship, your marriage or a friendship that just, I mean, you get around this person, you get around your spouse or a really close friend, and if you're having a bad day, now you're having a good day. You know, maybe because they're buying you lunch, I don't know. But whatever it may be, this relationship in your life, it just breathes life into you. Maybe it's, maybe it's money. You know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, so I hope it's not that. But sometimes there's something nice about having, you know, money in the bank and feeling stable. So maybe that breathes life in you. Maybe it's your, a hobby that you have. You know, I love playing guitar, and there's times when we've had a stressful day, and I just grab my guitar, and I just like playing. I like the sound of it, and I, and it's just, I enjoy it, and it can breathe some life into me. Maybe it's your family. Get around your family, and they breathe life into you. Maybe it's a calling that you have. You're like, I know I'm called to do this. I know that my purpose in life is to do this, and you, whenever you do it, it doesn't even feel like a job because it's, it's what you love. It's your passion, and it breathes life into you. My wife and kids breathe life into me. They just do. They just do. Yes, can sometimes it feels like they suck the life out of me. Not my wife, by the way, if she's listening. Okay, let's just be real here. I told you I'm an honest guy. But more often than not, you know what it is? I could be having a rough day. Man, things could be, listen, I, many of you know our story about trying to find housing this past year. They've been in winter rentals. It's been crazy, and there was nothing available. We're searching. And there were days when I would look for houses and try to find open doors and options, and I just couldn't find any. And you know what helped me? I'd look around at my four boys, and they didn't have a care in the world. They weren't stressing about the housing situation. They were happy where they were at, and they went to rental, running around the front yard, breaking other people's stuff. It was fine. <laughs> and I said, you know, and, and just being around them, you know, sometimes they just come up and they give you a hug, or they'll just say something, and I'm like, the Lord made you do that. You didn't know that, but God led you to do that, because I needed that right now. This morning on the way in, I was nervous about Easter. I always get nervous about, I get nervous about every Sunday, but especially big Sundays like Easter or Christmas Eve. And the boys are praying in the car, and all of them said, help dad, help my dad to do a great job today. And I'm like, this is so nice. Breathe breathing life into me, you know? My calling as a pastor, although sometimes it makes me a little nervous and stressed out, it does breathe life into me. I love Sundays like this. I, I'm telling you, after this is all done, I'm going to probably go home and crash because your mind is going, but it breathes life into me. I'm called to do this. I was called to the Cape. God led us to the Cape to start this church with our family. What breathes life into you? The unfortunate truth is that all of those things that I just mentioned are all good things. Family, uh, uh, hobbies, calling, things like Those are all great things. But all of those things can and often will fall short of giving any real life. Same with me. I may breathe life 
into my wife, and she may love being around me. There's times when I, can, I know I can really tick her off because I can be a real dingbat, okay? I'll fall short. My kids aren't perfect. Uh, uh, a calling, you could have a calling that you love and still have really bad days on the job. Money is not going to be around forever. We all know that. Have you tried to buy eggs recently, right? It's all gone. Hobbies, you can get tired of them. You can hit a limit where you're like, I've, I've made too many you know, pottery jars or whatever, and I, I'm just tired of it. All of those things can and will fall short. I am not enough to fulfill anyone completely. And that's okay. Oftentimes we think we have to be enough for everybody. The truth is I'll never be enough to give my wife, to give Marissa lasting peace and joy. Never to, I will fail her. John 20 is almost the end of the gospel. We've got one more chapter left. We've had over 40 messages from this book over the last year. And I want to share with you what the Bible says about what really brings life. And it starts right here in John chapter 20. I'm going to go through the scriptures very quickly. I'm going to read a few of them to stick with me. And we're going to make some application at the end to try to help you. And we'll be done. Head out to the Easter account and have a good time. We're doing great on time. John 20. We begin with Jesus has been in the tomb. Three days. Dead. Verse 1 says the first day of the week. Cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, unto the tomb. And saw the stone taken away from the sepulchre. So Mary comes probably to mourn, to grieve, and sees that the stone that was blocking the doorway is now moved out of the way. So she runs, uh, she runs back to, to uh, John and Peter, these disciples, and tells them that someone moved the stone, and, and they, they, she thinks that someone stole the body of Jesus out of the tomb, so she's freaking out. Peter and John run to the tomb, and, and uh, they get there. John steps out, stays outside the door and kind of, you know, peeks in, and Peter just barges right in like Peter always does. He just, that's just kind of the guy he was. You see the scripture, just kind of a go-getter, just this feisty guy. Goes right in. They see, they see some, uh, the, the, the grave clothes there, almost like he had just kind of vanished into thin air. And they're like, what's going on? Peter and John believed that Jesus had risen again. It says uh, down, if you, if you look down at verse number, um, number eight, verse, verse number nine, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he, may, he must rise again from the dead. Jesus had told them so many times that he was going to rise again. Their Old Testament that they had back then, that they, would, they grew up learning in the Bible times, it talked about the Messiah dying for the sins of the world and rising again. And they just didn't fully understand it, but they were beginning to as they saw these things happening. Verse 11 John and Peter run back to tell the others, and Mary stays behind, still broken, still weeping. Look at verse 11. Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and there were two angels in there. By the way, we think of angels as big wings and halos, and the scriptures talk about in other parts how they look like regular people almost. She probably didn't understand that they were angels. Either way, they're there in the tomb. She sees them. And they ask her in verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, they, they, they ask her in verse number 13, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? Verse 13, she saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Verse number 14, when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, 
and knew not that it was him. She didn't recognize him, maybe because she was crying so hard, she couldn't really see through her tears. But Jesus is right behind her. Ever, ever kind of realized, you kind of felt like, I think someone's watching me, I think someone's behind me, and you kind of turn around. Maybe that's how it was. As she's looking in the, into the tomb, and, and the angels are asking her why she's crying. Well, then she turns around, and Jesus is standing right there in the garden with her. And, she's, and he, he says to her in verse 15, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Who are you looking for? Why are you crying? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. She goes, If you know where they took him, just tell me where he is, and I'll go and get him. She still doesn't recognize him. I love this in verse number 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Just speaks her name. And it says in verse 16, She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master or teacher. Now she recognizes him. So she runs back, and Jesus says, it's not my time yet. Go and tell the others. So she runs and tells the disciples uh, in verse 19, uh, verse 18, she came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things unto her. Verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you, which is a, a, a formal Hebrew greeting. Jesus just shows up. These disciples are behind locked doors, probably wondering what's going on. Uh, he's alive, but where is he? What's going on? And he just shows up and says, hey, guys, what's going on? And they rejoice in verse number uh, 22. And when he had said this, he breathed them and, and said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. And he showed them his scars, and, and, and they knew it was him. And it says in verse uh, number 20, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. In the last few verses, starting verse 24, one of the disciples, Thomas, was not there at that first time that Jesus came to the disciples. He wasn't there. He maybe was, who knows what he was doing. Verse 24, it says he was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, verse 25, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. Remember they pierced Jesus' side with a spear when he was on the cross. He said, I will not believe. We like to kind of pick apart Thomas. He's a doubter. He didn't believe. But Thomas also said in the, earlier in the gospel, he had told his disciples, like, listen, let's go with him. We'll die with him. He was a committed disciple. But he also was kind of like, well, I, I, I want to know for sure. We've seen so many things go back and forth. So Thomas says, if, unless I see him and put my hands, see the prints in his hands and feel them, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus comes to them again. Later on, and again, and while Thomas is there, and Thomas says, My Lord and my God. In verse 29, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, and now hast, thou hast believed, blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. So Thomas believed and saw uh, uh, the prince in his hands. And the last two verses of John 20 kind of give the purpose of the book. Why did John, the disciple, write the Gospel of John? Look what it says in verse 30. And many other signs or miracles truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Okay, the book of John was written. Why? That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We sang about this morning what a beautiful name it is, what a wonderful name, what a powerful name it is. This book was written. John was written so that you would believe. So, yes, those who read it back 2,000 years ago, but also for us today, for anyone who opens this Bible, who opens the Scriptures, it's so we believe. But what does this have to do with me, Donald? 
That's a great story. Thanks for giving us the account of John 20. But what does it have to do with me? Easter Sunday, here we are. What is this all about? If we look closely at John 20, we can see ourselves in some of these people. The disciples were just like you and me. They weren't anybody crazy special. They were hardworking people that followed Jesus and believed. The truth is many of you this morning are broken, are hurting, are doubting. Like Mary, who was at the tomb and weeping and wondering and really thinking the worst, someone must have stolen his body away and she sat there and grieved and mourned. Like Mary, some of you all, all hope really is gone. You may have a good front on, like everything's fine, but deep inside your heart, in the caverns of your soul, you don't have any hope at all. Maybe like the disciples, well, where were they? They were in fear behind locked doors. Maybe that's some of you that live daily in fear and anxiety and, and just the stresses of life and how am I going to make this happen and what are we going to do and we, we walk through life like that so often. Or like Thomas wondering, hey, is all this even real? I'm not going to believe unless I really see it. Jesus speaks life into our hurt like Mary. Jesus speaks life into our fear, like the disciples behind those closed doors. And Jesus speaks life into our doubts, like Thomas. Jesus was so humble in his death. Yes, we know that. How he died for us. He's beaten. But even in his resurrection, if you think about it, he was even humble in his resurrection. Nobody believed that he was going to rise again. Jesus could have gone... He could have left that tomb and gone right to the temple where everybody, all the religious elite, they had watched him die. He could have gone and said, see, I told you I was the son of God. I told you I was the I am. And I'm alive. You saw me die. You laid me in a tomb and here I am. He could have gone to the Roman guards and said, I told you so. I am the Messiah. And they would have believed. They saw him die. He could have gone to the center of the city of Jerusalem it was during Passover week, so everybody was there. He could have gone there and said, here I am, I'm the Messiah, I told you so. Look at me, I've risen again. He didn't do that. Who did he go to? He went to his followers, his closest friends. Jesus responded to those who waited attentively and faithfully. He went to Mary who he had healed, who, was, who had seven devils. She was demon-possessed. Jesus cast those devils out of her. She became a follower. She followed him. She was grieving and broken. He went to her first. Jesus responds to those who wait attentively, faithfully. Some of you, and I have been here too, especially the last few months, some of us, we demand an answer from God. Well, where was God when dot, dot, dot? Well, I, I need answers right now. I, that was me this past. Lord, uh, we need a place to live in like a month. What are you doing? What's going on? I, I moved out here to start this church, and I got nowhere to live with my kids. What's going on? I need answers now. You know, or, or if God was real, then, then this wouldn't have happened. We demand an answer, but Jesus responds to those who wait attentively with watchful eyes in faith. 
So this morning, friend, I urge you, I plead with you to slow down, to breathe, and trust Jesus with your soul and with your life today. Like Mary at the tomb, weeping and broken, weeping and broken, all hope gone, you must quiet your voice, must block out the noise. It's a noisy world, isn't it? Isn't it? It's a noisy world. Quiet, block out the noise, and you will hear him call out your name like he did for Mary. Just a simple word, Mary. Her hope came springing back, didn't it? Like the disciples behind closed doors, wondering what's going on, fearful, worried. I urge you to open your eyes. Open your eyes, oh spiritual eyes. Look down and see the scars on his hands and the scars on his feet and the scars in his side. And, and look down and see that he did that for you. And can I also say that he sees your scars too. It'd be ignorant of me to stand up here and act like people in this room haven't faced some really tough situations. And you bear scars of the brokenness of this world. I know I do. And you know what Jesus does? He shows you his scars because he can relate. He knows what you've been through. He's not judging you. He's not calling you down. He's not pushing shame on you. No, no. He says, I, I have scars too. And I want to help you heal. He knows what you've faced. And like Thomas, who, who just had to see it first. I have to see it with my own eyes. I have to see it. For those of you who doubt, I urge you to show up anyway. To just go and say, you may have some doubts, you may have some, some worries and some concerns, and you may wonder if all this is even real, and I urge you, I ask you, to show up anyway. He will reveal himself to you. He is trying to do that today. He is trying to show you, hey, I'm real. Hey, I can help you. Hey, I can give you peace. I can give you joy. Stop searching for answers in all the wrong places. I am enough for you. And Jesus wants to breathe life, real life, into you this morning on this Easter Sunday. Eternal life, yes. The scriptures tell us we can know for sure that we're going to heaven. It's not about good deeds, although we should practice good deeds, but it's beyond that. Listen, if, if we could get to heaven by doing a bunch of good stuff, then why on earth did Jesus die on the cross? If we can do it ourselves. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The scriptures say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those good deeds come as fruit from a life and a heart given to Jesus who does good works through us. We need Jesus. He can give you eternal life. He can forgive you of your sins. I can't be forgiven. I've done too much wrong. I have too much shame. No, no, no. He died for that shame. He died for those sins. And he wants to forgive you freely. He can give you eternal life. And beyond that, he can give you a life of peace and joy here in this broken world. It doesn't mean life's perfect. But I've seen him do it for me. 
Coastline is a place that reflects Jesus. That's what we want to do. That's our goal, to reflect Jesus, to show the love of Jesus, to, 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 to show you what he's done for my life, and that he can do the same for you. If you choose to make Jesus part of your life, I implore you to, to make gathering together like this part of your week. The, the scriptures talk all about gathering together with, with other believers and worshiping together. It's so important, I promise. That will breathe life into you, real life into you. It's not about church building, things like that, but about being around and worshiping together. One hour, an hour that can change your week, that can change your year, that can change your life, where Jesus is preached, where Christ is worshiped, our community is affected in a, in a positive way. It's why we're here, to love, to help, to show the love of Jesus Christ. He has given us life. He has given me life, and we want to share it with you and with other people. So will you let him in this morning? lost soul. Maybe you don't have Jesus. Maybe you never asked for forgiveness of sins and been saved. Will you let him in today? Will you let him help you? Will you let him love you and save you today? Jesus is life. He is real life. And he is all you will ever need. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.